<laughs> I know how the internet works. Internet boyfriends. Okay, 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 okay. Hello and welcome to another episode of Internet Boyfriends. I am Joey and with me, as always, is the Neil Armstrong to my Buzz Aldrin, Ryan. <laughs> Hi. I figured I'd go with that one because we're talking about astronauts today, but also because between the two of us, you're the one that's kind of more quiet and respectable, and I'm the guy who's more likely to be on like a street corner somewhere waving his fist at the moon. You would definitely more likely punch a guy for saying the moon landing was fake than I would. I would definitely punch a guy for saying the moon landing was fake. It is that is something built that Buzz Aldrin did, right? I'm not crazy. You're not crazy. Okay. He's very, very passionate about that for some reason. <laughs> it's like he'd been there. It's almost like he'd been the second guy who was who, yeah, exactly. who stepped on the moon. Yeah, yeah. So and only because he got out, like he was on the moon at the same like they landed at the same time. He just got out second, and he didn't get to play. He didn't even get to play golf on the moon. It's bullshit. Which is it's just yeah, fucking bullshit. I think that you don't get. A, I haven't played golf, and I want to play golf on the moon. I want to play golf on the moon, and I want to drive the little cart around on the go kart. I mostly want to drive the go-kart. cart. What's that? I mostly want to drive the cart, though not necessarily on Mars. That seems dangerous. After t- well, after today's after today's podcast, I think everyone will know that moon carts are well, Mars carts are Mars also carts. pretty awesome as well. So, this episode is episode forty four, right? Forty three, forty four. Today's oh, forty four. I forget. I think it's forty four. Forty four. Forty four. Not about Marvin. We are talking about Andy Andy Weir's book, The Martian. The Martian, yes. And going to be Andy, a motion picture. Yeah. Who's, uh, With who's Matt the, Damon as the main guy, I think. I heard Bradley Cooper, so I don't know. To IMDb. Matt Damon, Kate Mara, Ridley Scott's directing it, which is a little worrying. Jessica Chastain. As, okay, Matt Damon as Mark Watney. Jessica Chastain as Melissa Lewis. Michael Pena as Mitch Henderson. Also, Kate Mara, Kristen Wiig, Jeff Daniels, rumored. I can't believe this, this, they're like they're. This is going to come out next November. They're really fucking moving on this. This just came out in... in, in print right it's a really good book it is well okay oh oh okay i'm an idiot and uh, gravity came out it, it came out it came out this year in hardcover but he he wrote it in 2011 but usually hardcover comes out first i guess you could have pitched it as a movie first. no no, no. he he wrote it as an ebook oh uh, okay so andy andy weir is i don't a, know the history i only know is that joey was like oh the martian's great i was like okay i'm going on a trip i'll read the martian and it was great anyway the reason the reason i said to read it was because a while ago, a, a, quite a while ago, Andy Weir wrote a, a little short story called The Egg. And okay. I don't think I sent it to you because I don't really send shit to you like that. You don't. And I probably wouldn't read it because it'd be too long and I'd forget about it. Well, it's maybe five pages long. It's it's a very short, very, very short, short story. There's really nothing to ruin since it's so short. I'll sure. just basically explain it. It's about a guy dying and he goes to the afterlife mm-hmm. and in the afterlife he meets this consciousness in the afterlife that explains to him that he's dead it's 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 sad that he's dead but it's also okay because he gets to live again he's going to be reincarnated and as they have this discussion he realize this this guy realizes or this this person realizes that they've been he she they've been every person on earth Every time you die, you get reincarnated as someone, as some place in some place in time, and over time, it just eventually you will this this well, I, but I, wait, I, no, consciousness will be everyone. There's billions of people living concurrently on the earth. See, it's funny you say that because it doesn't matter. What? It, okay. <laughs> like, do you get diluted? Like through time, you end up in multiple bodies. Like, I don't understand. 
I you, don't, this is a whole other discussion, though. Okay, no, no, no. Well, I'll, I'll explain. I'll try to just accept what you're going to say now and move forward. Okay, very, very <laughs> briefly, there's a theory that there's only one electron. Okay. That because we don't really oh, okay. understand how electrons work, got they it. jump back and forth in yeah, time. Yeah. And they take up every... <laughs> and consciousness can be the same. I got it. I'm good. Okay. You actually Sorry, listeners. You might be confused because I got it. Like I've, We both like quantum physics and stuff a fair amount. So we might have a bit of a shorthand. I forget who said it. Oh, it's uh, Richard Feynman. Richard Feynman was the guy who posed that idea. And Feynman was not a dumb guy. No. Feynman was a one of the smartest guys. Guy. One of the smartest guys. One of the smartest. So smart he's in Manhattan Projects. <laughs> yep. And I, I have his comic book biography on my shelf right now waiting to read. It's it was pretty good. I, I think the I first second like one, four stars. I think I don't know, maybe three stars. I don't know. It's a good it's a good biography, and also his books are. I, I've read chunks of his books. Later this year, I'm going to read all of his autobiography. I think Michelle's uh, read a chunk. She's a big fan of his. Yeah, he he's fucking great. Uh, yeah. He made popular again, I think, with a lot of nerds because of XKCD. But he mm-hmm. he had this idea that this crazy idea that we don't really understand how electrons work. So it's possible that electrons are popping back and forth through time. That there's only one electron. Really, electron is popping back and forth through time. There's only one electron. Andy Weir's idea, which he doesn't believe in, he, sure. he made it clear that Feynman might even believe it too. Which is an interesting. Thought. It might be just an interesting thought experiment to him. It was, yeah, yeah. Feynman didn't really believe it, but then again, Feynman, Feynman, hey, Feynman was willing to entertain lots of things because sure. quantum mechanics and there, there's lots of shit that is extremely hard to explain to people. And Feynman's whole thing was explaining it to people, yeah. and more importantly, getting his idea was that if you could teach somebody something at a dinner party, you could teach it to people in college, and they'd be interested in it, and everyone would be happy, and society would be better off because when you live in a post-atomic world, it's a pretty good idea to know how these things work. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. So so his idea, Andy Weir's idea, the egg, was basically about this idea of someone dying and their consciousness leaping back and forth through time, occupying every single body until uh, it sort of uh, hatches or it, and it eventually time will end and all of the humans will be dead. All the, con- all the conscious everything on Earth and in the universe will die and then eventually that consciousness will be evolved into the new god basically uh-huh. and that's how you ha- that's how you make a god like it's an egg for a sure. god yeah so very cool it's the very... space baby 2001 yes yeah yeah and I like that I'm a, I'm a big fan of I'm a big fan of hard sci-fi but I'm also a big fan of this you know kind of lofty I don't want to say hippie sort of stuff but you know sort of out there I like out there sci-fi Me as too. well Stanislaw Lem is really good for that. So, so yeah. So I, I, I was reading a bunch of sci-fi that I really didn't. I remember having a bad streak of books this year, early this year, mm-hmm. when it came to fiction. So I picked up The Martian back in May, and I want to say Rob Zeal told me to read it because I don't, I don't remember who said it for me to read it. But it was one of those things of where I was like, yeah, whatever, I'll get to it when I get to it, you know, because I, that, I, I still I'm intending to read more Terry Pratchett. And I haven't been when I saw that, that this book was what it was, I was interested. Mm-hmm. But then again, I, I there's the Red Mars series from I want to say Kim Stanley Robinson that I also wanted to read. So it's like, if I'm gonna read anything, I'm gonna read the, you know, the, the more I've read those. Trilogy. They're not the same kind of thing. There they're, they're, they're are similar in that they're sort of grounded and well, attempted to be hard. No, but they're also like, it's compelling, interesting characters while also being trying to be hardish sci-fi, like trying to ground all the stuff in as much reality as possible. And The Martian Hard- is really, to the best of my knowledge, 
factually accurate to the best of its <laughs> ability. Yeah, yeah. And at the same time, the main guy whose name is Mark is super compelling. He's like my favorite superhero. I think you're saying that simply because he hates Aquaman. No, I like Aquaman. <laughs> well, I don't know. He's, he's Batman. Uh, he's Bat. He's like I don't know if Batman could do what he did. He's better than Batman. No, he is better than Batman because he 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 has a much better sense of humor and he hates yeah. disco. Yeah, and- totally good reasons. Yeah, I don't know. I really, really hate disco. So right off the bat, that was that was. I think that was the thing that I was like, yeah, it's like I got that in common with him. So we're good. <laughs> and then the there's there's two things in particular that I wrote down that I knew were things that you would immediately just absolutely fall in love with and fall in love with the book forever and 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 want to make it sure. sweet sweet book babies with it. Was was the Aquaman thing of where he's sitting sitting there thinking about Aquaman? How can Aquaman control whales? That makes no sense because they're mammals. Yep. <laughs> Was like, I loved that's... all of his commentary on 70s sitcoms, too. Yes. Like, talking about Three's Company throughout the book, hysterical. <laughs> talking about um, the guys, Dukes of Hazard, hysterical. Like, why doesn't Boss Hodges drive over there, or what did Boss Hodges drive over to their place instead of chasing down the car? <laughs> like, there's tons of great little... Well, to, to fill in people who... And not irritating pop culture yet. stuff. Like Yes, yeah. It's not like references to the second references. This totally makes sense that someone would have brought this thing on this thing on on this trip to Mex- uh, Mexico. Was, Mexico. <laughs> the trip to Mars. Your you trip need, was to Mexico. You're going to be there for ages, so he needs entertainment. Yes. yes. And so he's well, stuck with the entertainment of all the people that went with him and thought they were going to stay there for a while and had to abandon ship, essentially. Back up two seconds. Go ahead. The whole plot of this book, yes, The Martian, is about an astronaut named Mark, uh, Mark Watney yeah. who is hit by a satellite dish? punctured by his he like there's what i forget how he gets knocked down that's for sure he gets knocked down i think he gets punctured or his suit gets punctured for sure basically but it's a very it, the and he doesn't know the suit gets punctured he gets, and the blood um congeals forming a seal to keep him alive long enough to come back like wake up from the injury and then sort of make his way back to the habitat my my point is it's a very tub thumping type situation. He gets knocked down, he gets back up again, and, and then he has to now survive on Mars because there was a storm that caused uh, all of his I don't want to say co pilots, but team whatever like the, mission mates, mission mates, know. astronaut buddies. Yeah. They the people also they on the mission with him to Mars. Yes, the people who were also on the mission to Mars with him left Mars to go back to Earth because they thought it wasn't safe on Mars, and uh, he gets stranded there. And so basically, you have this. Robinson Crusoe, I, I think IMDb yeah. or IMDb or Wikipedia had it listed as like Apollo thirteen meets Castaway, uh, which I am very offended by because I, I guess I could say it's like Apollo thirteen in that Andy Weir is extremely extremely detailed and accurate, presumably accurate in all the yeah. things that happens, but I would never compare this to Castaway. It's more like. Apollo 13 meets the professor from Gilligan's Island. Kind of. Well, it, the without professor... the comedy, like, you know, like in that he's semi-comp, like, like at least the, Tom Hanks is incompetent. He just happens to get lucky a bunch of times. Is like, he's, it's not a great survivalist really. Whereas... I, have another re- I have another reason for hating that. Okay, go on. We'll talk about that in a second. But the, the other, the other reason why I knew you to love it is because at some, at one point Mark brings 
a piece of electronics. I'm not going to say what it is because I think it's uh, starting to go into spoiler territory, sure. but he brings a piece of uh, something electronic out onto the surface of Mars and it breaks instantly. And he kind of is like, oh, shit, I should have should have known to bring something on the surface of Mars. Yeah. And he thinks about going back home and writing a review on Amazon saying brought product to the surface of Mars and <laughs> stop working zero out of ten. And I was like, that's yep, that's that was hysterical. I, la- I laughed out loud several times this book. Yeah. Which is about a harrowing survival story on Mars. Just yes. because Mark... The, the story is sort of told is mostly in his journal entries. That he, yes. Or, or uh, mission logs on Mars. It's, um, it's mission logs mixed in with uh, the reports back from Earth. Yeah, and, and some actual third-person narrative stuff. But like... Yes. Um, Anyway, so most of the book though is his mission logs, and they're great. Like it starts off with like he's they 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 turns out they brought him along partially because of his sense of humor. Like he's also a uh, geologist botanist or no engineer botanist. Well, what were his two main things? Yes, I, if I again I read this in May, so I'm not completely up on that. But to actually compare this to real life, uh, he qualifies for all the things that uh, Chris Hadley. Or Chris, Hadfield. Chris Had, Hadley, Chris Hadfield. Um, I'm combi- combining Watley and Hadfield uh, in real life, which is that if you're going to travel to Mars and you're going to go that far, you have to be an extremely likable guy. Yeah. You have to be an extremely likable person. You have to be what he calls a zero, which is someone who is pretty much super easy to get along with and is able to do things, but ultimately doesn't really nudge the mission in one direction or another. Yeah. Because if you start being the guy who's super proactive, you're going to get really annoying really quick to people. And mm-hmm. if you're the guy who clips his toenails in front of one of the air ducts and shoots toenails all over somebody <laughs> when they have to clean shit out, uh, they're going to fucking hate you and you're going to be a negative one. So you want to be a zero. And, and Mark is a perfect zero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the best people, possible sense. Yeah. But yeah. Well, obviously, because when you say this to people, uh, they don't really think about this in a positive way. Yeah. When you say someone's a zero or that they're neutral, uh, they tend to look at that and go, oh, well, you know, I want to be He helps good, maintain you know, stasis. Equilibrium. Yes. Yeah, yes. Which is um, extremely important, yes. as we all know from when you're traveling in space and don't have yeah, access to air and food and things like that. Equilibrium is what keeps you alive. Anyway, so he, it does. it is convenient that he is, I think it was some sort of engineering and botany. He's a botanist and mechanical engineer, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, which are two extremely useful skill sets to have if you're stranded on Mars. You need to be more mechanical engineers because they're not all like that. <laughs> sure, but like, it, it is convenient that he is the, the perfect person. But that's that's his story. So he happened like it is his story, and he is that person. If it was someone else's person, if it was some different person was stranded on Mars, it would not be a good story. So I'm yes. okay with that. <laughs> yes. They would be dead. It'd be boring. No one would care. Um, well, that's that's sort of why I don't like the comparison to Castaway. Yeah. Is that when we when you write a book like this about a guy getting stranded on Earth, there's a lot of problems with the writing of it because generally when you write a story, you're it you really it breaks down to that old age old you know like man versus nature, yeah. you know, man versus man, man versus himself, and and you tend to make the Earth into uh, like an antagonist or or a, like the man versus nature sort of thing, and. That to me is not really super compelling because most writers approach it as Earth is Earth instead of Earth being a planet. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Okay. 
And, and that's the difference to me between Mars and Earth is that Mars is alien enough that it's easy to write it or possible to write it as a planet instead of writing it as Earth or writing it as a habitat mm-hmm. because we tend to like we tend to look at Earth as our slave. We tend to look at Earth as like this. Yes, it's an antagonist, but it's always an inferior antagonist because we've obviously kicked the shit out of the Earth as far as we're concerned. Like we are awesome. Yeah. The human race has transformed the Earth. But the argument then is, you know, no, we really haven't. The Earth could shrug us off at a second's notice, and we'd all be and, dead. And, and does the Earth occasionally. Keep on going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that, even even when a whole bunch of people die from natural disasters, we tend to look at it as like, oh, you know, damn nature or like act of God or whatever it is. We have to do something about that instead of just saying like this is. This is the way things are, and we're just living on this planet, and and this is what happens. In the same way, if a solar flare hit the Earth and killed a whole bunch of people uh, and messed up, like, really fucked our society, basically, to look at that, it would say, like, okay, well, we don't really, we're not prepared to look at Earth as an alien planet. Mm-hmm. We look at it as Earth. Well, it's and- home. You never expect home to randomly be attacked by aliens. Or solar flares. Yeah, yeah. Or... yeah. You, tend to, you tend to think of it as more like a home alone type situation of where you're fighting off something yeah. in, in your home instead of it, – it tends to be – you tend to think of the enemy as the solar flare instead of the enemy being Earth. Yeah. Which, and, and really the enemy is always Earth. And that was the beautiful thing about the Martian is that Mars is always the problem. Well, like there, there is no place on Earth that is not safer to live in than Mars. Yeah, yeah. Like the middle of Antarctica <laughs> – Safer than Mars. Yes. Like, every single spot, barring the bottom of the ocean, even then, safer than Mars. <laughs> like, yes. he had to come up with ways to eat for an indefinite amount of time when they only brought enough food. Like, because they landed, I forget, it was like a six, a year-long trip or something. Like, they, planned, they had enough food for X number of people for X number of days. And equipment and all that stuff. They had enough of supplies for... Obviously, it's NASA. They have a buffer. But they have enough supplies for this. So he had to jury-rig everything to last way longer for one person, which helped. But still way longer. And redevelop the habitat and find ways to eventually try to try to find a way to escape. Because he's not going to... He can't just live there forever hoping for the best. He's got to try to figure out some way to at least get word to Earth or whatever. Like, he's got to... He did... Like, he's Batman. He's Batman, but awesomer. Like... He's Batman who can laugh about Three's company and Aquaman. He's bat like, but he's still as impressively smart. Like it's it's super compelling. Really, this is true of anything. Watching someone who's very good at something do what they're very good at. Yes. And this was a book of that. But he's still human. He's still totally is, human. Which is which is the whole part about you're saying about the music and the '70s sitcoms and things like that is that if you're trapped on Mars, yes, in theory. Mars is always going to be the most dangerous thing to you. But as I was saying, Mars is a planet. It's neutral. Mars doesn't want to kill you. Mars doesn't want anything. It's yeah. a planet. It's just a habitat that you're living in at that, at that moment. It's the same way that all of his equipment didn't want to kill him. It's just stuff. It yeah. doesn't have wants. He's the only person there that has wants, needs. Any, he's the only thing there that has any sort of consciousness to say, that I want this or I want to survive and I want to – uh, not watch <laughs> 70s sitcoms and listen to disco for the rest of my life. And and so he had to deal with all of the human problems of boredom and dealing with a box of radiation <laughs> yep. and and all of these different things. Like keeping warm. Keeping warm is, is a serious problem when you're on Mars. Yeah. <laughs> and something as simple as that, as that can turn into 
an interesting problem if presented in that sort of way, which Andy Weir did beautifully, I think. Like, it's the kind of book where everything went wrong, but also everything kind of went right. Everything broke at some point, but he also figured out ways to fix lots of things in ingenious and clever ways, and I loved that. Like, it was it was just so satisfying to see, like, I'm only halfway through, and he seems to be doing okay. Oh, no! <laughs> and then, that's, that's and, like and then yeah. he figures out how to fix it. It's like, yes! Go, man! Go, Mark! Go! It's, it's so satisfying. It's such a compelling book. You just keep flipping, because he, he's such a, a fun guy, who's a, a person I would totally want to hang out with. It's very Clooney-esque, I find. You know what I mean? Like, not the, he's less competent. Than, he's way more competent than Clooney. But, like, he's got that everyman sort of fun to hang out with kind of quality. But uh, that's not necessarily true. It, I mean, it is true, but it's one of those things where we don't tend to think of George Clooney as less qualified than a botanist. We tend to think of his most qualified to be George Clooney. Yeah. I think I think everything worked really well because it was – a logical, realistic, pessimist view yep. of living on an, an alien planet, or living with on a, a super with a re- person who's very, very good at figuring out how to survive these situations. Like yes. everything that w- would make sense to go wrong went wrong, and he found a logical, sensible way to get through it. The only thing in the entire book that in my, that my mind was like beyond disbelief is that I said at the beginning, this guy that happened to have the ideal skill set to survive on Mars so, is the guy that got stranded. But that's the beginning, and after that, don't care. <laughs> I don't. I I don't necessarily feel that that's that unbelievable. Because it's, it's out of like, six people. Well, like I said, it's it's not because otherwise yeah. the story would be much shorter and not in a book. Like no, no. I was going to um, say that if you take six people that are going to Mars and you take one of them at random, they're probably going to be qualified to survive on Mars for a certain amount of time. I mean, I, yeah, but the, for the food issues. The, okay, the, the botanist the, like, thing is a big... The, the combination <laughs> of botany and mechanical engineer was... I mean, everyone is somewhat trained in everything, and everyone yes. has, like... Everyone would survive way better than the average person and not die instantly on Mars. Every single person would last a while, I think. I, I, uh, I, I don't like know if it. everyone would have lasted as long as he did. By definition, he would have to last longer than Sandra Bullock's character in Gravity. Yes. Because she's the least qualified person in the world to be an astronaut, I think. No, and not then, next to least. No, she's, not, she's definitely not the least. Uh, she's pretty bad. She's definitely pretty not the bad least. But that's the, uh, yeah, that's, that's the difference. Like, Gravity is more like Apollo 13 meets Outbreak. Uh, meets um, whatever the freaking Tom Hanks movie is. <laughs> I'm forgetting. <laughs> Castaway, yes. Castaway, um, yeah. You take your everyday person, you strand them in space. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 the, I still love Gravity. I think Gravity is a wonderful. Oh, me movie. too. I'm not, I'm not slighting Gravity. In the it's least. just a I'm very just different. That, it's a very yeah. different kind of thing. I, I feel like I think you're right in that there's has to be some sort of balance between the Gravity type astronaut and the Martian type astronaut. But at the same time, after reading enough about astronauts, dude, it's really fucking hard to find someone who's really incapable of caring for themselves oh, yeah, on yeah, a mission. Yeah, of course. Because everyone really that stuff you I mean think about it. How often does all the shit that I say and do rub off on you? I mean, I'm not saying that you are you know, I'm not saying that you have an economics degree, but you know a lot more about economics than the, the normal person because you and I are always talking about stuff like that. Well, yeah, well, we're all, we're also both fairly interested in learning new things at all times, which an astronaut by yeah, definition is, yeah. So. And Feynman seems to have been based on an earlier conversation. Feynman, Feynman was a physics teacher, professor to start. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. I forget what his first job was, but I know obviously he was in physics. And then he went to go work with the Manhattan Project. And I have a feeling 
that it was not too long, maybe within five years of that, that he became involved in biology. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Feynman was definitely multidisciplinary and played the bongos too. So, yeah, uh, he was definitely, I, it's fair to say that the Feynman's a polymath. Yeah. By the, he, he is a polymath. That is very true. And I would never say I'm a polymath because I'm not an expert in many things, but I'm interested in lots of little things. <laughs> I I wouldn't say that you're a polymath either, and I wouldn't say that obviously I'm a, I I want to be, but I'm not a polymath. I think the reason is is that you and I don't have a purpose in the same way an astronaut yeah, does. True. The, the people who are astronauts are fucking driven to yeah, yeah. to to want to do whatever it is that they that they want to do, whatever it is they've set out to succeed, succeed in. That's that's another reason why I'd say that even it, it, someone like Chris Hadfield that comes from uh, becoming a, a, a pilot, going from being a pilot to an astronaut, there is a huge leap that you have to learn a lot about mechanical engineering. You have mm-hmm. to learn a lot about biology and and getting around in space and getting around certainly wherever your area of operations is that you're going to get. Like say you're you know going to Mars, you you're obviously learning about uh, Mars. You have a pretty good idea of how everything is going to be. Also, I think because you're so driven and because you're so focused on all those types of things, you tend to like. You and I couldn't, off the top of our heads, give an inventory of everything that we have in our apartments. No. But at the same time, we could probably, if 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 you said I'm gonna take, if I'm gonna take your condo and I'm gonna drop it on Mars, you know, obviously gonna, you know, it's gonna be sure, airtight. Yeah, yeah, I so so we'll you know, with that. Yeah, but you very quickly, if I said to you like you have six months to prepare for this, we're just gonna drop your condo on Mars one day. Uh somewhere somewhere like plus or minus a week from six months from now, this is gonna happen. Uh and you're gonna get trapped in your condo and dropped on Mars. You would memorize every fucking thing that's in your condo because yep. you'd have a specific goal set in mind. Yeah. Uh that you know all these things, you know basically what everything does, you have a pretty good idea. And even, even and, and Mark if it took me six months again, once you said to do that, to land on Mars Yes. With yeah. nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd read everything. Yeah, more. Uh, yeah, that's right. And, and I think pe- people tend to underestimate how long it takes, to, or people tend to overestimate how long it really takes to learn something. Mm-hmm. If you had, based on my experience, if you have six months where you're really, really focused on something, where you're really, really obsessed with, or you have to, like say you have to know something, a test is coming up or, or something's, something's going to happen where it's, it's imperative that you have to know know a bunch of things. You're going to learn that very quickly Mm -hmm. and you're going to get accustomed to that very quickly. It also leaves you very quickly. Once you leave Mars, you're probably not going to remember a whole lot of those things uh, because they just kind of become less interesting to you or less uh, important to you. But it's, it's possible to do that. I mean, especially for someone who has a high IQ and is able to learn and able to uh, do all those things, uh, it's believable. Yeah, that's that's the that's the beautiful thing about this book is it's beautiful. It's 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 believable. It, it's super hopeful sci-fi too. Like it's I'm yeah. there's so much blah, sci-fi where the world's gonna it's, end and blah 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 and humanity is ruined and doomed and this guy's like this one dude survives on Mars for a really long time and it's really impressive he does it all on his own with incredible tools built by mankind and figures out a way to use them in MacGyvery ways and is awesome for it and it's super awesome everyone's competent there's no idiots that are like oh I'm gonna stumble around and screw things up for people it's all competent people doing the job to their best of the abilities and made a really compelling, interesting story for that. And it shows you can do that. You don't need some bumbling asshole to ruin everything to make a compelling story. And you don't need to have a bunch of random occurrences that happen? No. 
there's there's very little in the book that feels inorganic. Yeah, I was drunk on the beach, so I'm really not the best judge of what was accurate. Though. <laughs> like, I really felt like everything made logical sense. Well, that's I've saying. never read any like everything yeah. I've heard since that has not pointed out any major plot holes or major like well the, what, the like a rosebud thing from Citizen Kane like nothing like that. I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying plot holes because plot holes can happen and yeah. they don't matter. It's it's more of those things of where we, even when you say you read something like uh, uh, Fantastic Four, you can read the Fantastic Four and and weird crazy shit can happen. That's fine. It's when weird crazy shit that happens out of fucking nowhere. Yeah, yeah. That's the problem I I tend to have uh, with especially uh, to, to kind of take that. I know we got to end soon, but sort of. I, I read the uh, uh, Hickman's uh, Avengers stuff. The totally awesome Avengers stuff. I I know you disagree. I saw the three stars and was a little yeah. upset. My my reason for disliking it is that it used to be that very optimistic. It, like at least when Hickman was writing the beginning of his uh, stuff for Fantastic Four about the whole thing with Reed going to jump into his dad's arms and you know you got to do better, you got to move on. Sure. The whole stuff with the the future uh, future foundation, all that kind of stuff. I I love the future foundation stuff. I thought that was absolutely a, a great way to take the the Fantastic Four into a new bunch of stories because it's not just about the family anymore it's about the extended family and how the extended family is going to improve the universe despite the fact that the universe doesn't care Mm -hmm. you know like you 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 have to be a cosmic pessimist uh if you're going to be reed richards and and that i think that's awesome i think the council of reed stuff was really cool Mm -hmm. there's lots of that stuff i mean obviously i love rick and morty i love it when someone takes a science fiction idea and just takes it to its logical like end and just keeps drilling down on that until they get to like the most ridiculous possible thing but it's totally logical based on the fact that just drilled down into this idea as mm-hmm. far as they go. Um, I, I I really love that, but at the same time, I feel like he's been. I feel like the stuff with Avengers was just just really like rambling and, and really off. You know, I I know if like, I, plenty of people agree with you. I don't, I don't agree. <laughs> I like it, it. Just it all totally works for me. I'm totally like I'm never. I was never a huge Avengers fan beforehand. Um, so I've not, like, I've no precious Avengers stories. Like, oh, this isn't the Avengers of my youth. I was always an X-Men guy. So this is like really my first deep dive into Avengers. But why, why did it work for you? And why didn't it work for me? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Well, this, this, this is my life. This is why (laughs) I, I, I I think it's a, I, I find the whole, I don't know how far you've read. Because I don't re- like I read it in issues on six I read months behind, so I don't know like where I, we I've are stopped, relative I've to each other. Right now, before Inhumanity, before Inhumanity, before Infinity, I, Inhumanity, I think. So you've read all of Infinity, the big Thanos stuff. No, no, no. no. Okay, so this is Infinity. Then. Okay, uh, uh, I thought Infinity like, title up like 15, I think I, I loved all the new universe stuff that came back in, which I didn't realize was new universe stuff originally. Starbrand and whatever. I loved. The idea of worlds crashing on worlds. I loved all. Like I loved. I loved the Inhuman stuff. I like. It was. It was stuff I'd never seen before in Marvel at all. Wait, hold and on. Done in interesting about the Avengers way. or New Avengers? Both. Okay. Because they're they're you have to read both. Yes, I agree. I've I've, I've noticed that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I I think I like New Avengers more than Avengers, but uh, I I just I'm super into it. Super into it, and I'm really excited all the way through this Secret War stuff they're announcing now with all the old events coming back in some way. I'm like, I'm down, I'm sold, I'm in, I bought the ticket, have the t-shirt, I'm good to go. I, I guess I don't like that Hickman is moving a lot of my favorite characters more towards uh, the operative from Firefly or, or um, 
the hell was the movie Serenity. Yeah, but it's that's just this one episode. It's once he's done, it'll stop. No, I'm no, enjoying, no, 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 I'm no. enjoying this. I'm while not it being, lasts. I'm not being precious about no, this. I know, I know. I'm just saying that I I find it weird that he's moving these characters more towards. Like uh, who? Immoral monsters? Like who? Really? Any, okay, anybody in the New Avengers? Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, there. That's that's why that team exists and existed when I think Bendis created them. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. 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 It's not Bendis. Bendis created different New Avengers. Um, which are, I, I get, yeah. Since, yeah, since I, the Illuminati happened, which is yes. what it was when Hickman was doing it, that's yes. what they were for to make those terrible decisions. Yes. That that that's the whole premise of that group. So I can't really fault it for being the premise of the group. I'm I, fine I with guess, that. I guess my problem is, is and, that have, and Cap's making, uninvolved, really, so it's fine. <laughs> he's making them do things that they're. It's not really drilling down on the philosophy of doing it. It's mostly just a lot of people like bickering about surface things, and that's what bugs me about it. Yeah, is probably. that when I read when I read science fiction, the reason I read these because that's what I, that's what I think all this is. is science oh, fiction. absolutely, I think it's superhero stories. I think it's science fiction, but th- like to me, especially with a book like Spin, the reason I like Spin so much was because of the same reason I read. Well, same underlying. Spin was the first like one, Martian. right? Spin was the first one. Yeah. The reason I like Spin, same reason, very similar reason why I thought the Martian, which was that you have this underlying optimism to everything mm-hmm. in the face of cosmic pessimism, of where no matter what you do, the, the universe does not love you. The universe does not want you here. The universe is it, the universe is here specifically to kill you if you really want to look at it that way. Everything is is very deadly and very terrible and. We could it really, if you look at, especially in the, with the new Avengers type stuff, we could blink out of existence when another universe slams into us, and mm-hmm. that's just it. We're just done, and they're done, and everything's done, and you would have no. You'd be eating your taco in Mexico. Uh, uh, I'm not, now, I know that sounds racist, but the reason I, I was eating tacos was, in Mexico. Well, yeah, no, when we were reading the Martian, eating, like that's a, I was I never, I was never yeah. while reading the Martian. I always put it away to eat food. But. Yeah, no, yeah, that's fine. No, I'm just I'm just pointing out to anyone yeah. listening, I'm not being a horrible racist. I'm being a racist, but not a horrible racist, because yeah, yeah. you prefer tacos, I prefer burritos. I'm just pointing that out. So yeah, the, not my fault you're the wrong. whole thing again. The whole, was that? It's not my fault you're wrong again. No, I know, I know. I know I'm wrong, but I, my, I know I'm wrong because I'm introspective enough to know that I'm wrong. Oh, yeah. Like, I, the point I, of my existence and is I know I'm, I'm not right because I'm introspective to know enough to know that I'm not right about every single thing. Well, I know Ultimately, I'm burritos versus tacos wrong. is subjective. Yeah. Well, I'm coming from a place of being wrong to evolve to a being that's less wrong because okay. that way that's the point of my life. Right. I, otherwise, I'd, I lose purpose. Like if, if all of a sudden I thought that my decisions were 100 percent right all the time, I would just blink out of existence. So <laughs> but that's, that's the thing, like this idea that you could just blink out of existence at any time based on the way things are working in the Marvel Universe. I really wish they would drill down more on that stuff in a very Rick and Morty sort of way. Instead of having like the the you know I, instead of having Reed Richards and and Beast scream at each other about random shit, you know, and like whether or not it's okay to build a bomb or you know, there's there's less of that post Infinity from what I remember. Yeah. Um. And I find Cap is there for the optimism, not in New Avengers, but in Avengers in general. See, that's the thing. I feel like everyone should be as optimistic. At least the general overall no, tone should be very no, optimistic. No. No. See, I that's the thing. To me, that's the difference between DC and Marvel is that DC has always been sort of pessimistic magic and, and Marvel has always been very optimistic science. And and to me that's what I that's the difference I like between them and it's also why well, that's not at all true of DC in the first place. Um No, no, it's not. It's just my, that's my read on <laughs> yeah, it from enough. being a kid. If like you're talking about being precious, that's my precious view of, of the two publishers. Well and, and there is lots of stuff in, like it's 
To me, it's this one corner of Marvel doing this one thing. Sure. And the rest of it is doing different things. Like, Uncanny Avengers is very different, also fairly pessimistic, but very different than the normal Avengers. And all the X-Men stuff has a ton of fun. Like, so there's that's the beauty of it is that since I'm getting a variety of tones, like, if I was getting just Hickman's Avengers in Marvel and that was it, I would probably be a bit, it would be a downer. But because I'm getting these Marvel characters in all sorts of different ways and styles and stuff, like, in one book, Cap was in another universe for a year and a half. Yeah. Like, <laughs> See, I'm not reading that stuff. That's the other so that, that's so that's, that might be why it doesn't bother me as much because I'm getting mm-hmm. the optimistic side of things in other places. It's just it's just it's just the sci-fi that I like. The sci-fi that I like, as we've said before, or actually, I don't know if we even released that episode, but I think I think we did talking about the postmortal. Is I like, I no matter how horrible things get in a science fiction story, I like the idea that there's this underlying thread of optimism that goes throughout everything because otherwise. I might as well just be in my own head, and I don't want that. Like that's why, like, like I said, that's what I liked about Spin a whole lot is that Spin is a horrible situation for humanity, <laughs> and yet they're really clever and they're really uh, uh, optimistic. And there's always lots of discussions about things. How does this change religion? How does this change our society? How does this change uh, this is, uh, biology? Th- that's why I really liked Buzz Aldrin's book, Encounter with Tiber. <laughs> Which I will be reading. It was in one of the whole bundles that I read it. I was like, "Oh, yeah. this is really hopeful. I like this." Yeah, yeah, I like. I, I that's well. That's the whole reason why I sort of became a NASAcrat in my twenties. Was <laughs> I thought that elite, at the very least, if we funded NASA, we could say we're trying. Yeah, we're not trying and, right now. Well, America's not trying right now. No, America hasn't been trying for quite a while, and that's why I stopped being a NASAcrat because I just had, I had to find other. I had to find other ways to <laughs> be happy with myself and be happy with my country. Okay, India just so. went to Mars. People, I know. People I know. are still doing interesting stuff. It's just not happening in your country anymore because, unfortunately, you guys aren't in lead anymore. I'm super proud for India. Oh, as me a too. Human. Yeah, as, as, a, as a person on Earth. My, my first thought was, awesome, way to go, India. <laughs> like, yeah. That's yeah. fantastic news. I'm, I'm really excited that the world is no longer whatever America does and everyone else. It's now like, India can do this stuff. China can do this stuff. Germany can do like Everyone can do something interesting now. And it's, it's not just America anymore. And I'm very happy about that as a non-American. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Understandably so. Yeah. I'm I'm less happy about that because Understandable. I am American and I see failure. I'm surrounded by failure. Yeah. So yeah. On but, that note. Yeah. On that note, before I get any watch lists, <laughs> although I, I, I if think you I'm, if you were going to get on watch lists, you're already on watch lists. Yeah. That's. That's a good point. That's a very good point. <laughs> Speaking of watch lists, uh, if you want to find us, you can find us both on Twitter. I am Joey Heflick, uh, H-E-F-L-I-C-H, and with me as always is... Ryan, at Gobo on Twitter. And thanks for listening. Yeah. I guess we'll catch you next time. We'll be talking about whatever we're talking about. <laughs> oh, and Joey was on Pub Chat recently. By the time this comes out, it might be out. You should listen to yes, it. Yes, yeah. If you go to, what is it, pubchatpodcast.com? Probably. Yeah, probably. I think it is. Or just Google. Just Google PubChat. Or, or find Colin. With Colin friend of the show, Sendquist. Yeah. Yeah. I could say Adrian Trimble on Twitter, but it's harder to spell. And yeah. Just well, say, yeah, Adrian with two A's. Um, <laughs> and Trimble, as you would expect. One yes. word. No no af- underscore or hyphen. You know, it's funny we had to talk about Marvel because that's basically the continuity of these podcasts is that the last podcast was Internet Boyfriends. And then there's a pub chat podcast with me that fought, continues what we talked about in that podcast. And now we're talking about the Martian, and we've moved on. Our continuity is moving on. So looking forward to listening to that. Yeah, me too. All right. Until all right. next time, we love you all, and we'll see you. Yeah, take care. Next time. <laughs>